Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Zandi, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and I'm joined uh, by my two co-hosts, uh, Ryan, Ryan Sweet, Director of Real-Time Economics, and uh, Chris Dorides, Dr. Dorides, um, Deputy Chief Economist. And Chris, you're now speaking to us from Denver, I see. Or I, I am. Yeah. Yeah. First, first conference uh, since the pandemic, first live conference uh, for me since the pandemic, so... And who are you speaking to? Oh, I, uh, it's the um, National Multifamily Housing Council. So uh, apartment researchers or investors, people interested in apartment markets around the U.S. How are they feeling about things? Um, you know, I think uh, kind of in line with the with everyone else, seeing things uh, perhaps slowing down, but they, they remain quite optimistic when it comes to um, apartment demand they see a lot of demographic demand out there so some slowing maybe in prices but they're not looking for a collapse uh anytime yeah i guess with mortgage rates rising and affordability getting crushed that would help demand right that actually yeah yeah people can't buy homes they have to they have to rent so right yeah a lot going on in that market for sure uh any any um discussion around the rental eviction uh rental evictions and all all of that controversy or is that kind of faded away from the kind of the discussion yeah, that wasn't uh certainly wasn't top of mind top of mind okay no yeah no. Okay. lots of discussion around uh, rent increases right and the explosive <laughs> growth that we've had in uh rent increases over last year 13 14 percent uh year for year for new leases uh, and how sustainable is that all right how can that really go on that sounds like a podcast we oh should, yeah, for sure. We should definitely. Sure. We should actually. That, that, we, should. we haven't done that. We should. We should definitely do that. Maybe we'll get some of the could, folks there yeah. that were. Yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. Okay, good. Yeah. They're all big uh, fans of the it, podcast, by the way. Lots of me. Lo- lots of uh, fans of the podcast here. So, I'm, I'm sure, sure they're that, fans of mine, right? For, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Groupies, uh, you yeah. guys too? Or, <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, uh, Ride sweet uh, came up a couple times, oh. right? The, no, no, you know, that's never Ryan. good. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, no. Uh, uh, this has been a year. We've been doing this for an entire year. This is our one year anniversary. So mm-hmm. highly, a uh, lot of fun for sure. You, I think people can figure that, can uh, tell that from the conversation, but uh, I think highly successful. I, I don't, I can't remember this. Do you guys know the statistics on how many downloads or any of that kind of stuff? Isn't I, it like half a million? Is it half a million? Really? Wow. Boy. I could be that, off. I, that feels good. Yeah, I think that's what Sarah put in her email. Okay, all right. And and Ryan, um, have you made your way back into the office yet? I I actually uh, went into the office this week for the first time in uh, quite a while. Uh, I heard I heard that you were there. I didn't know I hadn't made it back yet. I might go next week. I think that's when the office officially opens. Officially opens. Just maybe we should do our podcast all all together in the conference room. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, just in time for the next wave of the of this thing, though it feels like probably. Yeah. Right. Good. And we have a guest, uh, Michael Strain. Michael, good to see you. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure. And M- Michael is the director of research at the American Enterprise Institute. Is, is that the right title? Director of research? Of economic research. Director of economic studies. Economic studies. Great. Good. It's, and so good to have you because we're going to talk about the economy. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, what what feels like has come to the fore in uh, the discussion, the, the broad discussion uh, around recession and recession risk. It, that, that just seems to have come out of nowhere. Um, 
we're always hand wringing about recession, but the odds of recession seem to have risen quite a bit here. So we're very lucky to have you on to be able to to help us uh, kind of navigate through that uh, discussion. But before we do that, can you, uh, Michael, give us a little bit of uh, a sense of AEI, uh, the organization, the institution, and you, uh, just a little bit about your background and uh, how you got to be a director of economic studies? Yes, uh, I'd be happy to. AEI is a think tank. Um, that term, uh, I think, should be retired because it uh, applies to uh, such a broad range of institutions that uh, it, it it almost has no content. Uh, but AEI is uh, is uh, over eighty years old and is is one of the older think tanks, and so uh, still follows um, the university without students model that is also followed by the Brookings Institution and, and the Peterson Institute and, and organizations like that. AEI uh, has um, researchers and experts uh, in a really wide variety of different fields. We are, uh, we're very large as, uh, as uh, think tanks or public policy research institutes go, uh, experts on foreign affairs, experts on education policy, uh, experts on public opinion studies, um, experts on defense issues, uh, and of course, experts on uh, all areas of, of economics. Um, we are uh, a nonpartisan organization, uh, but I think it's uh, uh, accurate to characterize us as a center-right organization. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people, our, our economists, are you know generally disposed to uh, free markets, concerned about uh, economic opportunity, things of that nature. Um, uh, as the as as the as the kind of you know policy and political landscape on the on the right has changed rapidly, that's um, you know been been an interesting time to. To kind of be uh, be in this be in this world. Yep, but, uh, for sure. um, uh, as for me personally, I am an economist. Uh, 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 my PhD is from uh, is from Cornell, uh, and um, we I won't hold that some... against you, Michael. <laughs> yes. uh, I spent some uh, time at the New York Fed and some time at the uh, at the Census Bureau. Came here to AI as an economist, and uh, then I was demoted into an into an administrative role. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't realize you were at the Census Bureau. What did you do at the Census Bureau? I was at the Census Bureau, but yeah, I was. Um, uh, I worked for the Longitudinal Employer Household Dynamics Program, uh, right. and um, and then I was also uh, the administrator of the uh, New York Census Research Data Center uh, that's located in um, in uh, in New York. Uh, so that. Uh, that prepared me for my current role. You know, I had to had to make sure that the carpets were cleaned and you know, <laughs> make sure the trash cans were emptied and make sure nobody was bringing a camera into the secure room, that sort of stuff. In, in were you at Census and then went to the Fed, the New York Fed, or was it the other way around? New York Fed to Census. The other way around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Um, and um, uh, you have a very interesting because in in anticipation of this conversation, I, I went up and took a look at you know your your recent research and work. You have a very broad portfolio. It's pretty amazing. I mean, talking about SEC and activists and you know minimum wage and uh, uh, you know just a really broad portfolio. It feels like a really cool job you've got there. Well, lots happening. You know, yeah. the, uh, the 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 universe is not uh, is not uh, refusing to serve up material. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's it's wonderful to have you and, and great to have you aboard. And and AEI is a great institution, just a wonderful uh, place, I think, for research. Uh, and you have this really cool 
event that you are kind enough to invite me to, uh, uh, and I've been going for a number of years, where you bring in uh, folks from both sides of the political spectrum and uh, some of the folks, uh, you know, uh, some of the policy people and politicians, and it's just a wonderful two, three day event uh, where uh, people really have a chance to think about things and talk about it. Yeah, just last month. Yeah, just last month. Really cool. Very, very cool. Uh, okay, so what do you guys think we should do here? Should we uh, play the game first or go talk about recession risks? What What's your uh, preference? Ryan, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. No, you, every time I pick, it's the wrong one. I, I, that's why <laughs> so, I asked you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Mark. Now, which one is uh, it going to be, Ryan? <laughs> let's, do the, let's do the game and then... All right. recession. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Let's go with the game. Uh, so, just to remind everybody, uh, the game, the statistics game, this is a a way to help people kind of get their minds around and digest the kind of the mundane economic statistics. But I'll have to say, the statistics are popping. There's a lot of records being shattered uh, in the economic statistics these days. It seems like every day a new record. Which makes it the interesting game, that we're talking about a recession. Pardon me. Like with all the data coming in, some of it's coming in really, really strong, but we're still yeah. going to talk about a recession. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that juxtaposition is that kind of Alice in Wonderland, yep. for sure. Uh, but the game is uh, we each state a statistic. Uh, the rest of the group tries to figure out what that statistic is through questioning and clues and deductive reasoning. The best statistic is one that isn't so easy that, you know, slam dunk, everyone gets it quickly, the, uh, but you don't want something that's so difficult that no one's ever going to get it. And it, it's nice. You get bonus. Uh, uh, you get a bonus uh, if you can pick a statistic that that is relevant to the topic at hand, which in this case would be or, or in the, something that's come out recently over the last week or two. Uh, but we're talking about recession risks, so uh, that would be a bonus. But it doesn't have to be. It can be anything. Uh, so so with that, uh, let, let's start with you, Ryan. What's your statistic of the week? And, and by the way, Michael, uh, Ryan, Ryan is a maven at this game, although I have been giving him a run for his money in the last mm -hmm. uh, couple months, I'd say. Right, Ryan? Yeah, you've been doing really well. Yeah, I've been really, really well. impressed. Okay. On a street. I'll take that. Yeah. Oh, and I should say, if you get the if you get this right, uh, Michael, you get a cowbell a ring. Mm -hmm. So, uh, oh wow, yeah, a cowbell. We got two of yeah. them actually. Ryan's got yeah, two, two. Yeah, of them. yeah, two. Uh, of them. Yeah, if we go to the office next week, I can. I'll bring them in. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we'll. All right. So need... the number, yeah, is uh, one hundred and seven point five billion. One hundred and seven point five billion. Mm-hmm. And this is a statistic that came out this week. It did. Um, and it's negative. Well, that that, oh, would, well, that helps. Negative one hundred and seven five billion. Uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark just to get the conversation going. Is it related to trade? Trade. Statistics? It is. Ah, trade, trade uh, and. I don't think is that's not the nominal trade deficit for the month. No, that was eighty nine point two. Yeah. Billion. Uh, okay, I was I was going to say that actually eighty nine point two billion. You're you're getting there. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, could that be the current account deficit? Mm -mm. Uh, no, mm -mm. The quarterly current account deficit. No. 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 Okay, we're so we're back. Stick to with trade. The, you're stick with trade. You're okay. there. It can't be the real, can't be real, can it? No, no. it's not real. No, it can't be real. It's nominal. Uh, nominal trade deficit in 
is it some subset of overall trade? Yeah, what makes up the trade deficit? There's two things. Goods and services? Right. So which the one's goods. 107? Good. Goods, yep. goods, goods deficit. Goods deficit. Very good. Okay. All right. See that, how that's, that's done, Michael? That is, that is that's, that's not a how cowbell. you do it, right? That's not a cowbell, though. Uh, it's There's a lot of hammering. close, though. That's, that was very impressive. Be. What's that? That was very impressive. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, but I, I'm, I'm getting to know Ryan pretty well. Mm -hmm. I, I know he's... I know <laughs> yeah, he's yeah I'm trying to like, be able to forecast what numbers I'm going to pick. Tactics. Yeah, we should actually begin with that. That's a good one. So, okay, why'd you pick that, though? What What's the... Uh, what's the importance of that? So we're we're importing a boatload of things. So it was $107.5 billion is our goods deficit. So it's goods that were import minus exports. And that's overall trade, the $89.2 billion, billion that we talked about, uh, is going to shave one and a half percentage points off first quarter GDP growth. So that's going to be an enormous weight. So kind of getting back to the recession discussion, mm. we have net exports, that's going to subtract one and a half percentage points. And then inventories, which are going to subtract one and a half percentage points as well. So that's three percentage points of growth that we're getting cut out in the first quarter because of uh, uh, trade and inventories. Let me ask you this. Uh, what's our tracking estimate now for Q1 GDP? 0.7% uh, annualized. So based on all of the economic statistics we've gotten to date, uh, that would suggest GDP increased only seven tenths of a percentage point annualized in Q1. Yeah, we were north of one, like 1.1, 1 1.2, and then the trade deficit came out and brought us back down below 1%. Yeah, and what's the probability that you think that we'll go, we could get a negative number in Q1? Because if you said inventories and trade, we don't really have a good fix on that, do we? Trade, we have a pretty good idea because we have do data we? through February. Yeah. Uh, we're missing March, and we'll get some improvement uh, in the overall trade deficit because the services surplus was affected by the Olympics. Uh, because U.S. Uh, businesses or companies, they you know had to buy the rights to broadcast the Olympics, and that caused the services surplus to shrink. That's not sustainable. It's going to come back. So, I think probability still, you know, twenty five percent that it falls. But yeah, that inventory drag it really scares me. Could be more than what we're thinking. Right. Hey, can I ask fundamentally, uh, what's driving such a weak Q one? I mean, what's what's fundamentally behind that? In terms of GDP growth, I should say it's not—it's not weak in terms of job growth, right? I mean, that's no. that's booming. So, no. and I don't think it's fundamentals. It's—it's it's, again, it's, it's net exports, it's inventories, and that inventory build is just because you know we needed to replenish a lot of inventories, and we did that in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter. It kind of raised the bar. We're not going to be able to duplicate the amount of inventory build that we got in the final three months of last year, and that sets us up for you know a weak first quarter. Did Omicron play a role? I mean, yeah, Omicron did. Yeah, but if you strip out inventories, if you look at you know real finals, that still posted a pretty solid gain. Should post a solid gain in the first quarter. Right. Okay. Okay. All right, I got one. Okay. Fire away. Eleven point eight percent. Eleven point eight percent. This is inspired by by the template that Ryan just laid out for me. Oh, so we're we're sticking with trade. Nope. All right. The template. The general theme of a number relevant to my economic outlook. Ah, okay. Is is it a statistic that came out recently, Michael? It's a statistic that uh, that relates to the month of March. Oh, okay. Uh, 
And is it a price, a measure of prices, inflation? It is a measure of a price in a very important market. In a very important market. Is are you not being sarcastic when nope. you say that? No, <laughs> okay. no. Are we talking about house oh, prices? Is it rent growth. Is it rent growth in the month of March? No. Some food category. Food it's prices? a price. Uh, it's a price that uh, that uh, has a name that begins with the letter W. Wheat. Wheat prices. Uh, up more no. than eighteen percent. Yeah, I think Michael froze. And important oh. the, the 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 market I'm referring to is the is the labor market. Oh, okay, eleven point eight percent. Uh, could that be wage growth like in leisure and hospitality or something Bingo. like that? Yeah, there it is. Oh, okay. Now, wait, uh, that's, wait, a wait, that's a cowbell. That is definitely yeah. a cowbell. That's a good one. I didn't hear the cowbell. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you cowbell. go. By the way, do you guys notice? I don't see the dog behind Ryan. What happened to the dog? I, I saw there earlier. She moved. Yeah. She moved. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's she back. back there. I can't see her. Dog is yeah, she'll, she'll be back. Uh, oh, she'll be back. Okay. Where's the other dog, Ryan? Where's Fenway? Fenway is outside chasing All right. squirrels and everything. She she lives, <laughs> she loves it outside. Oh, that's a good one, Michael. Uh, Eleven point no no that year over year, March over March, wages were up eleven. This is average hourly average. earnings. Average hourly earnings. Yep. Yeah, eleven point eight percent. That is an amazing statistic, actually. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the few industries that's keeping up with inflation. Totally. So you're, um, you're seeing like real average real average hourly earnings. Increasing there, yeah, 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 which um, is uh, related to uh, a prediction, uh, which is that people are going to start pulling back on dining out here uh, uh, quite soon, um, and that's gonna that's gonna show up in consumer spending statistics. Right. So you're saying that the surge in inflation is going to start to bite here, and uh, consumers have no choice but to or they have a choice, I suppose, they could borrow, but they're they're going to pull back on their spending. The law of demand will reassert itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, I saw a survey done by CNBC basically saying that. They were, they were asking consumers, are you pulling back on any of your spending? And they're doing two things. They're starting to pull back on their dining out. And of course, they're driving. They're driving less yeah. you know, as a result. Yeah. I'm getting, uh, that, I'm getting, yeah. I get, I get increasingly irritated going to the same restaurants that that my family's been going to for several years and spending 175 percent of what I'm used to. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh. So I, I've got, I've got a couple of statistics. I, I like them both. Uh, I've got well, one related to the last one. If you want, I, you oh, have one related good. to the last yeah. one. So do I, yeah. actually. But oh, okay. can I ask on that one before you go, Chris? You'll go next. But okay. Uh, I have a question for you, Michael. Um, so, uh, Ryan has done some work trying to look at the relationship between wages and prices, you know, this kind of concern about getting into a wage price spiral. Mm -hmm. And so far, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, you're coming to the conclusion that, uh, that prices are starting to drive wages. So, you know, workers are saying, Hey, you got to pay me more, but mm -hmm. there's not yet a lot of evidence that the wage growth is driving prices. Uh, he hasn't seen that. Do I have that right, Ryan? That's okay. correct. So far, the, the causal relationship runs one way, prices driving wages. Does that, is that consistent with how you think things are playing out, Michael, or have you thought about that at all? 
Yeah, that seems that seems completely plausible. I mean, this this uh, you know my kind of reading of the evidence of the past few decades is that uh, the, um, the the effect of wages on prices has been pretty muted, uh, and you know I think that's largely because we haven't seen a whole lot of variation in prices, uh, and so you know when the variable that you're trying to explain doesn't vary, that makes it hard to to explain it in a very kind of mechanical statistical sense. Um, I you know expect that as we kind of continue to march through this uh, this inflationary period, some of these older relationships will start to reassert themselves. Uh, and I would expect prices to drive wages. I would also expect wages to drive prices um, and kind of disentangling uh, a, a statistical relationship where the causal arrow points in both directions is is, is pretty tricky. doesn't mm. surprise me that that would begin with a situation where prices drive wages. Um, but I don't think that's where I don't think that's where it will end. Yeah. 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 And I guess we can come back to that in the context of recession risks, too, because mm-hmm. it plays a role in that. Okay. Okay, Chris, you're up. So, what's your statistic? All right, I'll uh, I'll give you a twofer. Two. It's a twelve point six percent and thirty four percent. Twelve point six percent and did this come 30... out this week? Yep, it came out today. Came out today. Oh, I think I know what it is. Oh, is if it... you get this, I'll be. That's a double cowbell. I would have. To okay. Say. Okay. Is this you around food prices? Today. It is. Is it the UN's FAO oh price my. index? You got it. No way. You got it. <laughs> all right. This is <laughs> something okay. going on. All right. All right. Okay. I get two cowbells for what that. What are baby. the two numbers? Do you, do you know? Uh, I think the 12.6% is the uh, month over month increase. That's a, that's March. Yep. In the, the 34% is year over year, I would think. You got it. Right. That's so right. Twelve point six in one month. Uh, okay, that's a that I okay. Very okay. You got to be impressed. You have to be I'm somewhat. Imp- so I, I'm sure someone out there is thinking oh, that was a plant. It was that yeah, a plant, Chris? That was, that was not a plant. Too. No. All right. All right. Very We're good. just in sync. That was, that was more impressive than the eleven point eight. I think yeah, these two yeah. are sending emails at night saying, "Oh, watch out for this number. Here it comes." No, no. You let Ryan get any numbers right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very good. Oh, okay, so you got to explain this. What is this, uh, and what, why is it important? What, what's going on here? Yeah, so this is a, um, a food price index. It combines uh, food prices from a number of different categories, like cereals, so wheat, corn, uh, other other grains, vegetable oils, dairy, meats. You know, various uh, food categories. It is from the Food and Agricultural Organization of the UN, so it's an international measure, right? So it's um, trying to capture food prices in, in different regions of the world as well. So uh, 12.6% in one month is the largest gain I've seen in the history of the data, certainly. It's, uh, uh, and it's, it's a, a big <laughs> movement here, and 34, 34% uh, in movement in food prices just uh, over the course of the year. That's, that's certainly going to continue to contribute to, uh, to inflation. Uh, food is not something you can easily correct and you know it takes time there's a there's a cycle here uh, for growing so uh, i suspect this is going to continue to weigh on us and certainly this, this is stemming from the russia ukraine conflict right uh, so without those exports not only are we going to face higher food prices in the us but these higher food prices are really going to uh, take a toll on emerging markets and other economies around the globe so i worry about those uh, repercussions coming back on the us as well yeah, I think this is a big deal. 
I mean, because yeah. not you know for the U.S., but particularly for the rest of the world. I mean, yeah. I what what I was I had to give this talk, um, not have to. I gave a talk to this group of uh, folks in Nigeria. Actually, it was uh, I met Bill Gates for the first time uh, oh. uh, on Zoom because he wow. he he sponsors this uh, group. A very interesting uh, conversation, and uh, in preparation for that, I learned that. Uh, in Nigeria, if you look at the uh, consumer basket of Nigerians, uh, over half is food. Uh, mm -hmm. Here in the United States, I think it's 10, 15%, right, of the CPI is food, something like mm -hmm. that, 13, 14%. Yeah. But 50%, over 50% of the Nigerian consumer basket is uh, is food, pretty, pretty significant. So I think this is a big deal. Um, also, the other interesting thing, this came up in our macro meeting yesterday, uh, Brendan Lacerda, one of the other economists that follows the ag industry closely, oh, yeah. pointed out the collapse. <laughs> Did you see this? The collapse in farm inventories in the United States? Mm -hmm. I mean, just yeah. he has, we got data all the way back to World War II. You look at the chart of this thing. In fact, I'm going to tweet this thing because it's just an amazing graph you 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 see this uh very sharp decline in the stock of in farm inventories and in record lows by orders of magnitude which is kind of kind of spooky a little a little nerve-wracking and you know i asked him about the detail you know what's driving that and it, it, he's still working on it but he, it looks like a big declines in wheat stocks and corn and uh, barley you know things that obviously the Russia uh, and Ukraine and Russia and Ukraine export so uh, very important. Um, okay, uh, that was that was yeah. a good statistic. Okay, I I got I've got a good one. It's a little I'm going to state it in a little different way. I hope uh, I hope uh, this isn't too hard. Uh, this is um, this statistic is as low as it's ever been since Thanksgiving week, 1968, 1968. Jobless claims? Very good. Jobless yep. claims. That's a, that's a that number was outrageous. Brad, you beat me by, by one second. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Is that right? Sure. Oh, okay. I, that was easy. I thought that was going to be hard. Jeez. No, no. That one stuck out this week. Yeah. Okay. So, out. so go ahead, uh, Ryan. You want to, or Michael? Do you want to talk about that? What this, what, what, what happened this week with UI claims? Well, they were the lowest they've been since Thanksgiving week of 1968. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Very good. And, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think on a four-week moving average basis, which is kind of sort of how economists tend to look at it, because you can have these weird weeks, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. I think it's the lowest it's ever been in the data. Uh, 170,000 initial claims for unemployment insurance in the four weeks, the last four weeks. And that's the lowest. I, I couldn't, there, there may be a week. I couldn't see it though. I think it might be the lowest on record. That mm -hmm. is just outrageous. Incredible. It shows you yeah, how. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just shows that businesses are very reluctant to lay off workers because they know how hard it's going to be to, to replace them. So, Yeah. Well, I guess this is a good, great segue into the topic at hand, and that's you know recession risk. And the way I want to uh, kind of introduce this conversation is uh, begin by asking each of you, uh, I guess broadly, how are you feeling about things? You know, in terms of the economy and, and where we are in the business cycle. But more specifically, what odds would you put on us? Uh, going into recession at some point over the next 12 to 18 months. So 
you know, just to give people context as to how you're feeling. So, so Michael, let me begin with you. Uh, you know, how would you characterize things and what odds of, uh, would you put on a recession over the next 12 to 18 months? Um, I would put uh, two-thirds probability of wow. recession over the next 18 months. Um, or, or, or maybe maybe we broaden it, uh, uh, not so much 18 months, it's 20 months, you know, at some point. In, uh, end of 2023? Yeah, end of 2023. Okay. Uh, I, I see two big risks to the outlook. One is uh, what we what we discussed a little bit earlier, which is the, the law of demand kind of reasserting itself. Um, I expect to see consumer spending weaken under the face of these prices. I expect to see business investment spending weaken under under the face of, of uh, huge increases in, in producer prices. Um, and that you know when you when you have businesses pulling back and consumers pulling back, that's that's a pretty large chunk of your economy right there. Uh, I. I think a second risk is uh, is a, a policy mistake by the Fed uh, in the face of this. Um, you know, I think the Fed uh, just fell extremely behind the curve uh, over the course of 2021. I'm becoming increasingly worried that they are going to make uh, a, a symmetric mistake mm. um, in 2022. Uh, that um, they underreacted in 2021, they, they might overreact uh, in 2022. If the economy is going to slow slow down on its own, right? You're seeing, uh, you know, uh, Chris is at this uh, housing conference. Uh, you're seeing 30-year fixed rate mortgages jump up considerably um, based on uh, on forward guidance and quantitative tightening. You know, that should slow the housing market down. Uh, you're seeing the 10-year jump up pretty considerably um, uh, as a consequence, uh, again, of, 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 of a combination of uh, short rate and, 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 and QT uh, tightening. That should, that should slow down um, investment spending. Uh, and, you know, households, again, are, are, you know, I think they're going to be less likely to go out to eat and they're going to be less likely to, to, you know, buy a new dishwasher. Um, and, you know that 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 that's going to naturally slow things down on its own. To say nothing of what's happening uh, over in Europe uh, and 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 in China, which are which are going to uh, depress U.S. exports. Um, so, you know, in light of that, I think the Fed, you know, still needs to still needs to tighten. I mean, I think, uh, there's not much question about that. But if we're really talking about trying to, you know, tighten 250 basis points in 2022, you know, really aggressive quantitative tightening. Um, I, you know, could we, could we have, could we have two quarters of negative growth? Yeah, I think we might. Wow. Two thirds probability. That is high. So you, you feel pretty confident we're going in. Let me, let me uh, just uh, tease out a couple things you said. Uh, first, uh, your point that because of the high inflation, that obviously undermines real after inflation income and people will respond by pulling back on their spending, which is you know, the fodder for recession. But what about all of the so-called excess savings that consumers have? So, you know, if you add it, uh, if you take a look at all the savings that was done during the pandemic, above which would have happened without it. So go to the savings right before the pandemic, just assume that would be the same and do the calculation. There's two and a half, two, six trillion in excess saving uh, above which people normally, so that's sitting in people's deposit accounts that been driving a lot of home purchases, maybe uh, investments in the stock market. Uh, how do you 
how do you think about that in the context of they'll pull back because they have uh, all the like all that cash? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think we, I think we, it's just, a, it's, it's one of the best examples I think of uh, the extent to which over the past two years we've kind of been in uncharted territory. Um, you know, how do we think about how households will spend down two and a half trillion dollars of excess savings that were built up by supply restrictions and by uh, restrictions on on business activity? Um, I don't know. You know, I think the the kind of closest historical analogy I've seen is uh, from World War II, where factories were repurposed um, to uh, produce um, uh, war materials and, and munitions, uh, and so there were there were gaps in consumer markets where consumers would have spent money on things that they weren't able to buy. Uh, households accumulated a lot of excess savings during the World War II years, and. My understanding is that it took several years for uh, for those savings to be to be run down. And so, you know, one uh, answer, Mark, to your question is, you know, based on that period, which obviously is not a uh, a great fit for the period we're currently in, but based on that based on that period, we might expect uh, a gradual rundown of the of these savings. Um, you know, we aren't seeing uh, really depressed savings rates. Uh, and so uh, there's not much evidence over the past, you know, six months or so of, of this savings. Uh, so consumers aren't, you know, pulling into, into their, into their savings um, as a way to, uh, to cope with uh, reductions in, in the purchasing power of labor income. It, you know, I, I think kind of a more, more detailed forensic analysis of these savings would be helpful. You know, if I had to speculate, I would I would say that there are kind of two things happening here. Uh, middle class households, upper income households uh, put put those savings um, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the bank, so to speak. They use them to purchase homes. Uh, they use them to fill up 529 accounts. They use them to invest in, 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 uh, in equities. Uh, and you know they're not gonna they're not gonna take money out of the five two nine. They're not gonna take out a home equity loan. They're not gonna take you know they're not gonna sell stock in order to to pay for their Saturday afternoon lunch bill. Um, lower income households, you know, I think these excess savings um, uh, likely contributed to the stagnation of the of the workforce participation rate that really only began to to climb. Uh, uh, you know, six months ago or so. Um, and those savings may have been used to kind of finance um, uh, normal expenses to pay rent and to pay for groceries and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, I'm, I would have, I would have thought that we would have kind of had more of a, you know, Mardi Gras type atmosphere when the pandemic ended and you would see, you know, households burning through this cash. And, you know, maybe it's because you know, we didn't have like an abrupt end to the pandemic. Um, it's, you know, kind of, you know, ebbed yeah. and flowed more. Uh, but I don't, I don't expect, I mean, I expect that to be a boost to consumer demand, but I don't think it'll be such a big boost that it will, it will um, uh, act as a, as a, as a complete counterweight to, uh, to the, um, the effects of inflation on consumer spending. Got it. Got it. Yeah, we've done a little bit of work uh, trying to decompose that excess saving across different demographics, including income. And it's based on uh, data from the Survey of Consumer Finance and Financial Accounts from the Fed. So we have the last data points for the fourth quarter. 
and it, it it's still pretty considerable across all income groups. Uh, so uh, I wonder what kind of cushion, and I think you're right about high income households. They view it as wealth. They don't view it as income and probably, but they're not the folks that are going to be really hurt by the high inflation, but the low income households, they've got a little bit, if you believe the data, and again, it's pretty, you know, there are estimates on top of estimates. feels like they got a little bit of cushion there, but that's a good point. Let me ask you one other question about uh, what you said about recession risks and if, about the Fed and the Fed making a mistake. So the, the, the markets, the uh, uh, seem to be anticipating some pretty significant tightening here, uh, half point tightening in the funds rate and at the May meeting of the Fed, probably another half a point in the June meeting, getting the funds rate back to the so-called equilibrium rate, R star of about two and a half percent by no later than this time next year. And then even a higher rate than that, a terminal rate that's somewhere closer to three. They're also, the markets also seem to be you know now completely discounting quantitative tightening, that is allowing the balance sheet of the Fed to run down and maybe even selling, you know, the Fed starting to sell securities. They were, you know, that's why one reason why mortgage rates have jumped is that the, the markets are concerned that they're going to sell mortgage securities that they purchased. Okay. So that's what the market thinks. So if that's what, the, and of course, it looks like the Fed and Fed governors are okay with the market thinking that they're not pushing back on that. So let's say that's the forecast for monetary policy. Do you think that's a mistake or do you, th you know, for based, obviously there's a lot of script to be written here, but based on what you know, do you think that's roughly right with getting the economy to navigate through without a recession or that's not, that's just not going to work? I think they're in, I think they're just in such a bad position. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, let's say the funds rate is at 2% uh, or, you know, two and a quarter at the end of the year, it's still going to be considerably negative. Um, and you know the markets are, are are expecting this for sure, but what you know what actually what actually happens in the real economy when you have that degree of tightening over a short period of time, but where you're still looking at a at a at a at a at, a, at an interest rate that that is you know negative three percent or 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 something like that, you know you know depending on on which inflation measure you use, um, I. I don't know the answer to that. I think we're I think we're kind of in, in the territory we haven't been in for for a half century. But I I worry about I worry about the jolt. Um, I uh, I also worry about the balance of what the Fed is doing. Um, you know the the Fed was still purchasing mortgage backed securities last month, right? Which is which is uh, I think um, bizarre. Uh, the Fed um, seems to be uh averse to relying more on quantitative tightening and relying less on policy rate increases i would i would flip that i mean i i think they should be more aggressive on qt and less aggressive on on the funds rate uh because qt will raise rates at the long end of the curve um qt will slow the housing market which is where a lot of our problems are uh uh and and that, but that will still, um, uh, you know, not invert the yield curve, and 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 not and not, you know, it, it'll it'll reduce the risk of the kind of you know scary stuff happening that actually jolts mm -hmm. people, even 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 when markets are still are still uh, uh, expecting you know pretty aggressive pretty aggressive action. Um, so I you know I kind of feel like the Fed is in a damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation, uh, and 
um, it will be hard to to kind of you know get the lag structure of 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 monetary policy right in uh, in, a, in, a, in an economic environment where I think it's pretty clear that consumer spending is going to slow, but it's not clear how aggressive it's going to slow. So you know my concern is that it's looking like if you if you look at if you look at some of the anecdotes and some of the data that have come in really recently, um, it's looking like. Uh, consumer spending is going to slow faster than I would have thought two months ago, and I worry about the Fed not being able to keep up with 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 uh, with with the with the pace of change uh, in 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 the economy. Similarly to how they didn't in 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 twenty twenty one, but mm-hmm. but 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 the but the converse. Okay, let me uh, uh, turn to Ryan. Oh, maybe I should turn to you, Chris, because I know you have to leave in a, in about fifteen twenty minutes to catch a plane. Uh, so you heard what, what Michael said. So what's your um, assessment of the probability of recession over the, let's just say through the end of 2023, because that, uh, Michael says two thirds through the end of 2023. Uh, and also, you know, if you have any comments or uh, thoughts around what Michael uh, said, that would be also, I'd be very curious in, in that as well. Yeah, so we have models, right? That uh, try to predict probably recession Right. We got based many on, models. We have many, many, models, many models, right? So uh, based on economic variables, based on financial variables like the yield curve. Right now, based on my reading, you're right, there are lots of variations. But looks like they're all converging around 35%, uh, 30, 35% is what, what I'm seeing. Um, that and sounds that like what a, you're saying. That, so, well, I'd say that's my starting I, point. I, I know you're a, you're but, a slave to your models. So no, no. Saying, well, that's yeah, okay. where I'm going. I'm not a slave. It's a oh, you're not a slave that, to your model. Okay, that's go ahead. A, that's, right, that's the starting the point. Say. All right, my model says that about a third uh, chance. But yep. then uh, I would certainly overlay the high probability of a Fed error uh, during this time. So very um, much in agreement with uh, with Michael. There's, it's a very uh, these are uncharted waters. Very likely that at some point we'll make a an error, given the lags in the uh, in the process here. Right? You, you hike the rate, you don't see the effect for uh, a few quarters uh, ultimately. So you're, you're kind of driving in the in the fog or in the dark here. So I would bump up that 35 to maybe 45 percent based on that, and then on top of that, I think we are extremely vulnerable to any other type of shock from here on out, right? So another some additional geopolitical risk, another wave of COVID, right? There could be another strain out there, the food insecurity. I, I just see that there are so many possible risks here. And it doesn't take much at this point to tip us into recession because we don't have a lot of firepower left uh, at this point. So so for for that reason, I actually bump uh, bump the uh, probably to 55%. So whoa. Oh. Oh, that that actually go, bump it up a little bit more. Man, we're yeah. almost there, right? <laughs> Hold it. Okay, so does that mean you disagree with our baseline forecast of no recession? Uh, I'm, I'm, That's what above fifty percent means. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting there. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh! What did? Uh, but then oh, you know okay. that would be consistent with your views on house prices. So this is a change, though, right? Because Chris, if I asked you this last month, you wouldn't have said fifty-five percent. No, no, but things have changed in the last month, right? And what changed? Uh, I'm really concerned about the um, inflation expectations. Okay, right? Russia invades Ukraine; oil prices go skyward. It takes inflation expectations with them. That's what's changed. Yeah, they are not. Okay, there's no sign of uh, uh, bending the curve there. 
Oh and that's, my that has to be the top priority for the Fed. And I think there's a good chance that, like I said, they'll overdo it. So Michael's yeah. at two thirds. You're at 55%. Yeah. Oh, good. Goodness gracious. Okay. Uh, but Ryan's the all right, optimist. Well, can so, I, uh, what, yeah. what, going back to this before I go to Ryan quickly, because I don't want to, I know I'm going to lose you in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, going back to Michael's point about the consumer pulling back, and I push back a little bit saying, hey, excess savings. Uh, the other thing that you and I noticed and Ryan noticed yesterday, looking at the consumer credit data, there's been a big increase in a borrowing recently, yeah. or at least in the amount of debt outstanding, which not may also be just an increase in transactions, people using their credit cards more because they're traveling more, that kind of thing. How does that fit into all of this? Do you think uh, is that worrisome to you that we're seeing this this uh, significant increase in uh, credit growth, or uh, do you view this as a cushion to us not going into recession? How, how do you think about that? Well, I, I think people that are consistent with Michael's view, there are people borrowing for different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. So the nice thing about our data, or interesting thing about our data, is that we can actually break out these uh, this credit growth by credit score. People at the with higher scores who tend to be higher income are are borrowing at a fast clip, but I view that as more the traveling or the getting back to spending. I'm worried that the about the very fast growth of a fast pace of growth of the uh, folks with lower credit scores, right? And I think there we're seeing a lot more borrowing for necessities to deal with inflation. So yeah, there's some cushion that's being put on here in the short term, but with rising rates. Right, payments going up. These are variable uh, interest to bearing accounts, so uh, there's going to be much more stress on those lower income consumers. And I think they're tapped out. If you once you get your update of the data, I think that the savings mm -hmm. uh, of those lowest uh, income households are now below what they were in uh, at the start of the pandemic. You think they spent that money in the last four months? Well, they, I think well, it's been a steady decline since. Uh, the middle of last year, since the end of the unemployment uh, insurance benefits and stimulus checks, steady decline in, yeah, the, uh, in the in savings, the, the saving rate. Uh, yeah, okay. exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. so they're drawing Still, down those yeah. those savings. Uh, yeah, I think they're back to to where they were. Okay. Hmm. Boy, that's a, that's a shock, hey, Michael. That's a real a shocker because usually Chris is this uh, you know kind of down the fairway, you know, don't <laughs> don't 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 stir things up. Kind of economist, but that that was a that's a statement. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was going with the the traditional forty percent. Did you read about that? It's like forty percent is like the ideal probability for economists to say for forecasting. Yeah, right for forecasting because <laughs> not always going to be like you're not wrong if you say forty percent. So isn't that also the unconditional answer? I mean, at any given year, yeah, there's forty yeah. percent chance. So it is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's what that's what I thought where Chris was going. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well then you're going. You no, guys no, are just laughing at me. I, I'm a, I'm a little nervous to tell you about my probabilities now. <laughs> you guys, this is you guys are bullies. You're intellectual bullies. I can feel it. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta. I, all right, all right. Well, I'm coming. We'll come back to me. But uh, Ryan, oh, oh, now I'm really nervous. Ryan, mm -hmm. what's the, what's the probability of recession between now and the end of 2023? Seventy five percent. Whoa! Ooh. Wow! It's it's done. I think the now, seeds now for a recession. The of the fairway. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. All right. When you say it's done, like, what's going? What's all right? What's your thought process? Is it different than Michael's, or what's, no, what's your? No, I agree thinking? with everything Michael said. I mean, if you look at just the shift in Fed rhetoric in the last few weeks, I mean, they are they're hell bent on bringing inflation down, and they're gonna. It's it's they're in a bad situation. And it's very hard for me to see them pulling this off without some sort of misstep. So you're going to go too aggressive on rates. I, I agree that they should use the balance sheet more aggressively and then kind of ease into rate hikes. Um, but I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, if you look at Powell, Powell is usually like right down the middle of the fairway, kind of like Chris. His, his comments recently have been, you know, he if he doesn't see inflation moderate on a month-to-month basis, which we're not going to for the next several months because of higher gasoline prices, right. that, that's his uh, signal to you know, really tighten uh, with regards to rate hikes. I think that they're going to make a, a policy mistake. And the labor market's just, it's rip-roaring. And there's nowhere to go for down rate, but up. So once the unemployment rate starts rising, the recession always falls. Well, um, if you're, I mean, you're saying the Fed's going to press on the brakes too hard. I mean, mm-hmm. we know the way I've framed it for Michael was, here's what the market thinks. Do you think that that's the the catalyst for recession? So let me ask you it the same way. You know what the market is saying? The equilibrium funds rate two and a half percent by this time next year. If they follow that script, you're saying that's recession. That's a that's mistake. Recession. So that's should they I mean, not? The market's already they shouldn't press that. on the brakes. They should just why why wouldn't they just press on the brakes less hard? But they could do that if they were going to adapt, and that's. The wild card, the Fed could adapt, but it doesn't seem like they're going to. Like they they're already, not going to. They they're, infl- I, yeah, their their prices are going to continue to go up, mm-hmm. and they, I think, are not. I just think they're not nimble enough to say, okay, our policies uh, kick in with a lag. Uh, here's why prices are going up. You know, we need to we need to adjust on the fly. I think they're going to say, you know, we raised fifty basis points and in uh in may and then the you know may cpi came in at 10 percent, and that means we need to raise even more and i think that's i think that's the kind of dynamic that could that could take hold yeah in the past they've usually signaled that they're going to take a breather like a pause kind of reassess how tight you know or how appropriate monetary policy is no signal that they're going to do that this time i mean they're 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 going once they start it's it's going to be a steady pace of aggressive rate hikes Uh, okay 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 look so we sit down and we do a forecast that we put mm-hmm. pen to paper. We provide to clients. Are you saying to me, the two of you, and Michael, if you're, I'll put you aside to a second because, but this is really critical to our client base. Are you saying to me, we should have a recession in our baseline? Is that what you're saying to me? Exactly. Or are you just, are you just playing podcast one-upmanship here? No, there's no podcast one-upmanship. This yeah. is, a, I, if I had to create a forecast, I would, I don't know. You have to create it. What are you talking about? You have to create a forecast. We, we create this, this forecast. There, you're saying if I were chief economist is what you're saying. You're saying, yeah, I'm gonna, if, Mark, if you weren't around, <laughs> I'd, have a, I'd have a recession. If I, I mean, is that what you're telling me? I'd be very close to having a recession. Yep. No, 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 no. Not close. You would, you no, would, I would, you I would. Okay. I would have a recession. Because 75% is not close. That's like, I, you said mm-hmm. we're done. Yeah, I think, yes. By the end of 2023. All right. All right. Experience uh, Chris, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I, you know, I'm Monday, you're the chief economist. You're telling me you're, you would put 
a recession in the baseline forecast. Is that what you're well, telling me? So if we use your two thirds rule. Oh, okay. Okay. I would But He's I'm so getting smart. off. He is so I'm smart. Getting, <laughs> I'm getting awfully close. The okay. Thing is, I don't know the two thirds rule. Explain the two thirds rule. So the, uh, is this, is this, did it originate with you, Mark? Or I don't know what the yeah, history is. Yeah, this is my rule. This is your rule. This is my okay. rule. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the two thirds rule states that if you, that you have to have conviction of at least two thirds of an event happening before we alter the forecast. So if Michael were chief economist, he said two thirds recession in the baseline, we would change mm-hmm. recession. In the baseline. I, I would, I would put recession in the baseline, but just to be, uh, just to be completely fair to Ryan and I, if there's a 33% or 25% chance of rain, you probably still bring an umbrella. Right. That's <laughs> okay. a great point. <laughs> right. Good point. Good point. Okay. Does anyone care what I think? No. You yeah, cheer us up. Cheer us up. Here, <laughs> okay. Just, okay. Well, okay. Sure. Mark, you tell us what you think. Uh, I, I, well, obviously I'm very nervous about recession risk, but I'd put the probability at 40%. 40%. 40 there we go. There it is. <laughs> through the end of 2023. If you said through the end of 2024, then I'd say, okay, you know. Uh, 60. That's 60. Yeah, it could be at least even odds if it was, if I, if I went through mm-hmm. 20. Because the other thing that could happen is, and this is what why my questioning around the Fed, the Fed could say, oh, I don't want to push the economy into recession, so I'm going to ease up. But then you get into kind of a more stagflation kind of environment. And then ultimately, they have to push us in. And that, that's, a, that's a later event. That's not a 2023 event. That's a 2024 or 2025 event. So well, I would say- have rate cuts uh, priced into um, 2023. So yeah. the, Fed, the markets are basically saying the Fed's going to make a mistake and you're going to have to ease next year. But let me let me just fundamentally tell you why I don't think we go. The odds are that we don't go into recession, and it goes to the fundamental strength of the consumer and the American business of American businesses. I mean, the, the consumer isn't in, in. You know, I'm painting with a broad brush here, obviously, and you know, uh, there's difference between high and low income, but the American consumer is in fabulous shape, right? I mean, lots of jobs, low unemployment. Wage growth has fallen behind inflation now, but generally it, you were getting positive rural wage gains. And I expect that to occur if, in fact, you know, we don't get another supply shock here. If Russia doesn't go off the rails or we don't pen, China doesn't shut down uh, because of the, of the pandemic. Uh, leverage is low. Uh, debt service is record lows. People have locked in these low rates. They've refied down uh, into three, three and a half percent mortgages that aren't going up. Uh, asset prices are high. You know, the uh, stock prices are, they've come down a little bit, but they're, you know, 5% down up 30% last year. House prices still going, lots of equity. Uh, you got, uh, and this is a uh, my term, boatload of excess savings pretty much across the board. So, okay, I, I get, I hear you. I think we'll see some pullback in spending by real by low-income households that are getting nailed by the higher gasoline and food prices and rents. I, I get that. So I expect slowing, but you know I, we need slowing. Uh, uh, I expect that. Con- American business. I, I don't know. I've, I've never seen a time when American businesses are in as good a shape as they are right now. I mean, the corporate profit margins are as wide as they've ever been. They're, they're, they're making a lot of money. The cash is rolling in. Leverage, you know, they've locked in. Uh, leverage, and again, here I'm painting with a brush, and, and, and I think corporate leverage is a little bit more of an issue than household leverage, because you do have some uh, businesses that have levered up, but mostly because of financial engineering. But corporate leverage is low. 
you know, in aggregate. So, and they've locked in. So an investment is very strong. Uh, so, you know, and even with the rise in rates, we're talking about rates just normalizing. We're not talking about rates. We're talking about rates going to two and a half percent on the funds rate or a 10 year yield of three and a half, four percent mortgage rates of five and a half to six. So I don't know. It just feels like there's a fundamentally we're, we're in good shape here that we can weather a pretty, this is a, no doubt a storm, a very significant storm, but we can weather the storm. Okay. I'll stop my, my rant. Did I change your probabilities at all, guys? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it might have gone up. <laughs> it might have gone up. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay, I will all say, right. I will so say that. The uh, okay, wait a second. We're going to come back to that. I, there's one other part of this discussion we got to have, uh, and that is, what are we looking at to gauge which path we're going down? But before, Chris, you had something to say before we do that. Well, I, I think I will say for your point that I think the the severity of the next recession will be mild, right? So uh, I'll agree good. with that. The guys, right? he's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, well, really because good. all the fundamentals are are still quite strong. So we'll get into recession, but I don't. Yeah. It's not going to be a total collapse. Or I think it'll be I one of those recessions where we don't know if we're in it until we're out of it. Yeah, yeah. It could be something. Uh, like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, now you're sh- now I changed your mind. I think I changed your mind a little bit here. I can feel the shading going on here. Oh, it's going to be a modest recession. Now. Yeah. Okay. Well, remember I, the definition of a recession: broad-based sustained economic weakness. decline in economic activity. Right. Not two quarters of negative GDP. No, so the, you could, you the, could have that. The threshold's pretty low. That oh, I don't know. That that okay. That's interesting. You think that's a low threshold. Okay. It's not gonna it's not gonna be a financial crisis or or yeah. pandemic type recession where there's a deep flaw in the underlying structure of the economy that has to be unwound. It's just gonna be people are people are gonna spend less money because everything's really expensive. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh uh each of us have now got to articulate a indicator or let's say one, maybe two that they're looking at to gauge w- which path we're going down, you know, the recession path, the one we've just been discussing or something more benign, you know, we're definitely going to see slower growth, but, but that's by design, but we avoid a full blown recession. So what are you looking at? Michael, what are you looking at? Uh, uh, real consumer spending. Okay. Okay. So there's no like uh, like one indicator you look at to say, hey, this this is signaling we got the probability of recession being high. I mean, once real consumer spending goes, we're done. We're in recession, right? That's that's where that's where I'm that's where I'm looking because uh, okay. I think that's where I think that's where this recession is going to come from. Got it. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Chris. So, if we're talking recession signal, it's it's got to be the yield curve. So, oh, got to be the yield curve. Got to be the yield curve. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I mean, I thought that. What's the yield curve? Yield curve inverts tells you that we're going to have a recession at some point in the next two years. Right. You know. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about. Well, right? that, well yeah. yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're saying it's not very precise about when this recession is going to occur. It's not. It's it's not. It's not very precise. Um, It's a pretty small sample, Uh, Mm -hmm. and there are there are yield curve versions, and then there are yield curve versions. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah, for sure. sure. So talking about temporary. You say yield curve. There's lots of yield curves. What yield curve are you looking at when you say that? It's uh, ten two. 
10-year treasury two year. yield minus two-year treasury yield. And if the yeah. if that's generally positive, 10-year yields are higher than two. But when the curve inverts, two-year rises above 10-year, that difference goes negative. That would be a signal that recession we're going down the recession path. Right. And At least it has been in the past. So. Hard? Like, uh, like what hard kind recession. of inversion? Like inverted, by the way. A two, yeah. two, two, two tenure inverted for a day, I think, right, Ryan? Two like days? a basis mm -hmm. point, right? Yeah. Well, oh, I'm asking. I'm asking. What are you, what yeah. are you, so what's no, your it, It's got to be more than that. There, right? There's some, there are certainly technical issues that can cause the, the curve to invert, right? That wouldn't signal some recession. So I'm, I'm saying, you know, 10 basis points or more for several weeks, right? That's kind of minimum threshold okay to say ryan ryan you don't like you, 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 I, hate, you, I hate the yield curve. <laughs> why it's going to be what? misleading about because it's misleading the 10 years no longer a, a true risk-free rate so if the fed decides to use quantitative tightening more than rate uh, rate hikes the 10-year treasury yield is going to rise and it's going to distort the message coming from the yield curve so See, you could actually have a recession without a yield curve inversion this time around yeah i i maybe you're you know they they but are, isn't the the quantitative easing and tightening you know the bond buying the bond selling pretty much across the treasury curve it's not it's not just 10 year yields that they're buying and selling they're uh, no you're right it's across yeah, the curve the bias across is the, curve. the mbs is yeah the MBS is right yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but there's always bias. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but I, I do believe the yield curve is a very, very prescient, prescient indicator, but it has to be a hard inversion. Not, yeah. mm -hmm. not a day or two, not a week or two. It's gotta be a month or two, you know? Yeah. So we have yeah, Michael, you're so right. It's, it, we haven't it's, seen it yet. We, we have not seen it. No. Yeah. 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 So that would be consistent with my forecast, not your forecast. <laughs> just, just saying, <laughs> just saying. All right, Ryan. Uh, oh, and I'm a, I mean, I, I'm a yield curve believer. Uh, maybe even a proselytizer. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris is a is a believer. Ryan Awful. is. I'm a skeptic. Is a, is a skeptic. Okay, and mm -hmm. and Michael is a deny. It sounds like a denier. You'll I'm a denier. stronger. I'm a stronger believer in Chris's definition of inversion than I okay. uh, than I am yeah. in uh, in what we've seen so far. Got it. Okay, that's fair. All right, fair enough. Mm -hmm. All right, Ryan, give me an indicator. Jobless claims. So okay. it's weekly. So, it's all right. just, it's so a count of people that are yeah. filing for unemployment insurance benefits. Yeah. So, so what is get, so what's the what's the what's the threshold? What, what do you what do you need to see? No, oh, if we get back up to over two close to three hundred, then that would be a, a warning. Oh well, geez, we have a long ways to go. But that's this, this thing, yeah, this thing can turn quick. All right. So that's but, the opposite end of the yield curve discussion, right? That if we see that we are in, we're done, percent, right? We're yep. we're there. Right. Yeah, uh, jobless claims are useful in kind of predicting what the unemployment rate is going to do. And is yeah, you know, the unemployment rate, if it rises by 30 basis points on a three-month moving average basis, a recession has always followed. Right. So there's no advance warning with it. It's it's just proof positive. Right. It's kind of like Michael's point. You know, we're gonna probably know we're out of the recession or out, we're in recession when we're coming out of it. All right. Okay. I'm going to give you four indicators and in these, this is uh, uh, leading indicators, not the, you know, it's already we're in indicators. Number one is the yield curve that gives you 12, 24 month advance notice. And that's got to be a hard inversion, 10 year, two year. Second, the equity market has to go down a lot. You know, it's got to go down 20%. It's down five. You know, there's that old adage, the stock market's predicted, you know, 10 of the last five recessions. That's true. But 
it never, uh, we've never had a recession without the equity market, the stock market going down significantly. And that gives you like a six, nine, nine month lead uh, to the recession. Third, consumer confidence that has across all measures has to definitively cave because at the end of the day, a recession is a loss of faith. It's back to Michael's point about the consumer, but the confidence measures have to go down in a big definitive way, you know, 20, 30 points and, you know, a couple, three months. And that means they're running from the bunker. And then finally, you know, the three, the, the unemployment rate rising more than a quarter point over a three month period. I, I agree with that. You're, you're, that is indication that you are in recession because at that point, you're in a self-reinforcing negative cycle where unemployment driving people to run for the bunker, stop spending, and you lose jobs and so forth and so on, and you're in recession. So then we follow then we those check four. Off. And so far, so far, uh, fellas, I'm just saying, none of those indicators are saying recession. I'm just oh, saying. I don't know. Consumer sentiment is yes. lower Michigan, today. University of Michigan. Yeah. University of Michigan consumer sentiment is lower today than it was during the lockdowns. Yep, that's true. That's it's the university. Been, I'm saying across the board, all the sentiment is because that's that's got its own idiosyncratic things. But I agree. I hear you. I hear you on that one. But the that lockdowns say, were pretty bad. Pardon me. The lockdowns were pretty bad. They were pretty bad. Yeah. But the consumers think that now is worse than that. <laughs> well, are you saying we're going to have a recession like in the next three months? No, we're not going to do. That's not what you're saying. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I got one more question. It can hit the, it can hit it. It can hit it the third quarter. You know, I want this podcast. We need a, a a gold star on this podcast because we're going to come back to this podcast and I'm going to tell you, I told you so. I'm just, I'm just saying, (laughs) Ben, somewhere in Spotify, put a big red arrow on this podcast, on this podcast. I better be the anniversary podcast, right? The anniversary podcast, the anniversary. Okay, I have one one last question. This is for uh, for Michael. <clears throat> okay, you talked about what the Fed can or can't do. What about lawmakers? Is there anything they can be doing, should be doing? You know, they obviously nothing. Okay, There's nothing. I think nothing. I mean, you know, the 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 big thing I would say to lawmakers is do no harm. Um, that's yeah. the that's the most important thing they can do. Uh, and it looks like they they aren't going to. I mean, now I think it would be a terrible time to jack up the deficit. Uh, particularly the 2022 or 2023 uh, <laughs> deficit, um, but other than that, you know, fiscal policy is is uh, pretty limited in, in what it can do right now. Yeah, and you're not. It, it, so when you say do no harm, you mean like a a, a cut in the gasoline tax? You would consider that to be because that's being discussed, I guess. I think that would some. be. I think that would be pretty pretty. Tri- the, the impact of that would be pretty trivial. I think. Yeah, it'd be great okay. for the uh, gasoline. Uh, uh, suppliers yeah they just capture they, some of that cut yeah what well, they really could do is they can they can build a time machine and go back to march of 2021 and not pass the american rescue plan oh no oh, no no okay i don't think we've that's a whole nother podcast damn oh he, we he almost the last made it he said bomb <laughs> boom oh uh, okay we're definitely if you're if you're up for it michael and it won't be the i told you so podcast but you know hopefully we'll have you back uh, oh, for sure. Talk about the American Rescue Plan, but this Absolutely. was. Uh, I, I, oh, before we end, uh, Ryan, because we have started a, a new uh, feature on uh, our podcast where we answer a listener's question. Do you have Do you have one you want to post to the group from one of our listeners, Ryan? Yeah. So a listener reached out and asked how our view of the refugee crisis in uh, Europe is affecting our forecast. Oh, okay. 
All right. Um, do you want to take a crack at that, Chris? What do you, you want me to go take a crack at that? How, how do you want to respond to that, Ryan? Or, or Michael, do you have any views on the impact of the refugee crisis on, on the economy? I think the war is having a, a big impact yeah, on, for sure. on uh, commodities prices and on, um, and on the kind of overall economic outlook for Europe, which has implications for the U.S. economic out- outlook. I'm not sure that the refugee crisis in isolation is, um, is having a big impact on the U.S. economy, but, but the war certainly is. Yeah. Uh, any comments yeah. on that, Chris? So, yeah. yeah, I would agree. Not the U.S. Certainly, if we're looking at specific countries in Europe, Obviously, there's a there's a bigger impact there. So if you're looking at our global forecast, and we are factoring some effects, I believe in Poland and Germany, and whatnot. So, you know, I think in the near term, obviously, it's a very significant economic burden on the rest of, particularly Europe. Uh, right. But I think long run, it's probably a big plus, right? Because uh, Europe has some very significant labor market demographic issues in the folks leaving Ukraine are in many cases highly educated, skilled, uh, good, uh, you know, be, uh, you know, very positive for labor force and ultimately innovation and, and change and business formation. So I think that it will just add, add to the dynamism of the European economy. Uh, hopefully uh, the near-term costs aren't too high and they, they can be absorbed. And I think it, it I, you know, my view, uh, it, it makes sense for the United States to, you know, make it a bit easier for Ukrainian refugees yeah. to come here. We've only allowed, I believe, a hundred thousand in, and mm-hmm. I don't know that that's anywhere close to what we should be doing to help out here. Anyway, just my three cents. Okay, and thanks then one for question that, that yep. is going to came up and wasn't on your list of four things. Yep, oil prices. So a listener well, asked, you know, are okay. oil prices a good predictor of recessions? I think they're to be. That's a great point. I think in the current context, historically they have every recession we've experienced has uh, has been has featured a very significant in oil prices with good reason because in times past we were very energy dependent. Mm-hmm. The thinking is that now it, oil prices matter less because we've become more you know, almost completely energy or oil independent. But I would say in the current context, oil prices is the fulcrum with regard to whether we go into recession or not. Because, uh, and as this is the, from in my thinking, the thing that surprised me most about the Russian invasion and its impact, that it, you know, it, 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 the higher oil prices have fanned inflation and fanned inflation expectations and put the Fed in this very difficult spot. You know, they're on DEFCON, they're in DEFCON 1. And so if oil prices are about, say they're about 100 bucks a barrel, you know, roughly now, give or take on a given day, if they stay there for the rest of the year on average and kind of move south, you know, next year, I think we get the now apparently my baseline forecast, which is no recession. <laughs> but if they go skyward, say, say for whatever reason, Europeans sanction Russian oil and we have to fill that void, the world has to fill that void, oil prices spike, I think we're going in. And that's how close we are, are to recession. So I think at this point in time, Oil prices are very, very critical to you know which path this economy, the global economy, is going to go down. Uh, any other views? Any other perspectives on that? No, I agree. Okay, so you're talking yourself up in recession odds. What? Oh no, 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 no. This uh, uh, I've been saying this all along, Ryan. As all you right. know, uh, you know that's not. Oh yeah, fair. you have. Yeah, I've been saying that all along. Okay. Anyway, I think uh, I'm getting tired. I'm sure you guys are too. Uh, Thanks for coming, Michael. Chris, I know you got to catch a plane. Ryan, uh, 
Well, Scare up. Cheer up, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Just a realist. Uh, right. Just a realist. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week. Talk to you next week. <laughs>